Yivamos Perk Yud Gimel Mishnah Ches thirteen eight. More on the topic of these Nisuin Durban, these rabbinic marriages, and here we'll talk about the implications with respect to Yibum. So the Mishnah starts out by saying Katanos. If a person had been married to two separate unrelated girls, both of whom were married to him rabbinically, meaning that that marriage was affected by these girls' mothers or older brothers. The mace, and this fellow now dies, he leaves over two widows. These are rabbinic widows. Both of them are, are still minors. So the issue, of course, is now yibum has to happen. This is a yibum requirement to midor abanan. Midorais is no yibum requirement because no marriage on a derais level. But the question is, who of these girls, or how many of them, must get yibum or chalitza? And the answer is, since they're married rabbinically, both to him, they're tsaros, one to the other, co-wives. And as you learned in the past, once one of the tsaros has done yibum or chalitza, the other one is free to go. And that being the case, If Reuven, who died leaving these two girls, has a brother, Shimon, and Shimon either does yibum or chalitza with either of these two girls, the other girl is free to go. Of course, it is yibum, the girl with whom he does yibum now stays his wife uh, forever, I'll call it. Um, of course, if she doesn't hit 12, she can do miyun and undo that. And after she hits 12, she would need a get. Um, and then the, if, she, if, she does, if he does chalitza with her, then of course, same thing. Neither one are his wife, but by doing chalitza with one girl, the other one goes free. Don't forget that chalitza must be done with a girl who's already bas mitzvah. So in the case of chalitza of our Mishnah, it would mean that they wait until one of the girls reaches the age of bas mitzvah, and then Shimon does chalitz with her, and then the other one can go free. V'chein shtei chershos. The same would apply if you're talking about two deaf mutes who were left as widows from Reuven. These are adult women, but because they're deaf mutes, they haven't got the ability to do a full-blown marriage on the rice level, but the rabbis invested their marriage rabbinically um, to have significance. So they're, they're for their widows, mid Again, they're on equal footing, and therefore there's this obligation of Yibam, which will kick in. And so, again, if Shimon does Yibam with one, so then the other one is uh, is free to go and marry whomever she wants. But until that time, both of them are bound through a Zika, rabbinic Zika, to first do Yibam uh, with one of the surviving brothers. You recall there is no Chalitza when it comes to Chereshet. They're totally... Um, out of the parsha of chalitza, they cannot speak uh, or hear, and therefore they cannot um, even you know read or have that discussion with the the yavam that's required with chalitza about saying you know the declaration. So therefore, there would be no chalitza, only a possibility of yibum, but one would be sufficient with either to resolve the zika of both of them. Now katana v'chareshet. Now what happens if? This fellow Reuven dies, he leaves two widows, one of whom is a katana, she's a minor, and one of whom is a chareshet, meaning she's of age, but she's still deficient as much as she's a deaf mute and therefore can't be married to Midoraisa. So those are two marriages that are both marriages Midorabanan, but the nature of those marriages are not on equal footing. After all, the chareshet will never become uh, able to be married to him fully, and the katana um, if time just passes, so then she becomes a gadola, and then they become married on a derice level. If would be with Reuven if he still lived, or now with Shimon if you do even with her. So though they're not on equal footing. So therefore, the Mishnah says, Ein bias achas men poteres tsarasa. 
since they're not on equal footing, so if Shimon, the surviving brother, does Yibam with either of those two women, the other one still needs to do Yibam or Chalitza as appropriate, um, because they're not Saros on equal footing, and therefore exempting one doesn't exempt or resolve the Zika of the other. Now, the nature of these, like with the Lumdus, what does it mean that they're not on equal footing? They're both rabbinically married, um, but the nature of the rabbinic bond is not the same. So there are two explanations given in the Gemara. The Bartanura goes with the first, I think, um, although both are a little difficult to understand. Um, the, I think the second is more intuitive, and we'll go with that shot going forward. But first, the Bartanura's explanation is, we're not really sure, he, he goes to the approach in the Gemara, that we're not really sure which of the two wives, Shimon, the surviving brother, the Yavam, really wants to be married to more. And since only the one he really wants to be married to more is the real wife-to-be. So, um, if for argument's sake, he likes the Choresh more, but first um, does Yibam with the Katana, so then she's not the essential real wife, and therefore there's still a Zika with the one he wanted more, the Choresh, and same vice versa. And that being the case, you need to resolve both of them to resolve the question of who he really, you know, is more married to, so to speak. Um, so they're both rabbinic, but the question of degree, which one has like, got a stronger bond to him, and that's sort of a little bit dependent upon his um, personal predilections. Now, the other Pshat in the Gemara, which I think is, I think is more easy to understand, um, is that the nature of their marriages are not, of their rabbinic marriages are not the same. You, if you want to sort of ascribe, like quantify it, um, as opposed to that was just, that was totally qualitative, the first, the first version. The second approach is a little more quantitative. We're saying they're both only partially married, um, to, like rabbinically married to the original Reuven before he died. But the nature of the, Chareshit is one of a, a Kedushin B'miktsas, a partial marriage, meaning like they're 50% married, if you will. She's not able to effect a full-blown marriage, but they're partially married, and the rabbi said, well, a partial marriage, like 50% married is enough, rabbinically will add an extra more to make her as if she's fully married Midurabanan. So why Midurabanan she's not married, but Midurabanan, Midurabanan, it's, it's good enough. In contrast, the marriage to a Katana is not just a partial marriage, but rather a contingent marriage. So the word in the, in the Mepharshim is instead of being a kinyan b'miktsas, a partial marriage, whether it's a kinyan b'safek, it's a contingent or dubious marriage. That is to say, um, there's two possibilities. Either it's a 100% marriage or it's a 0% marriage. We only know um, in retrospect, once we see that they stay married after she turns 12 years old, and she doesn't opt for Mion, because if she opts for Mion anywhere along the way, so then retroactively she makes the marriage uh, annulled retroactively, and it never happened. So therefore, it's sort of either like all or nothing. Again, that's not a that's not a full marriage; it's a contingent marriage, but it's not the same kind of not a full marriage, um, and only with the power of rabbinic, you know, authority, as is the case with the chareshet. Now the Mishnah continues; it says a pikachas vechareshet. A chereshet, the deaf mute, the antonym, the opposite of a chereshet is someone who's got their normal faculties. That's a pikachat. would be essentially synonymous with a gadola, a grown woman, except the gadola is sort of to contrast against its antonym, the katana. So here, pikachat, as opposed to a chereshet, there's one of each. So Reuven dies, these two women, one's a pikachat, one's a chereshet. 
So that means the pikachat marriage is a full-blown Doraisa marriage, and therefore the obligation of Yibam is a Doraisa obligation, whereas the Choreshet was just a rabbinic marriage, and therefore the obligation for Yibam is only a Durabanan. So, bias ha-pikachas poteres es ha-choreshet. If Shimon, the surviving brother, opts to do Yibam with the pikachat, the regular woman, so of course then that relieves all the other co-wives of the obligation for Yibam, and since the only other co-wife we have is the Choreshet, and that's even in rabbinic at the best of times, even to start out, so of course she is now released of any obligations, and she is free to marry whomever she wants. However, If Shimon would opt to do Yibum with the Choreshet, so that Yibum will be okay, it's rabbinically sanctioned Yibum, and they're going to be married rabbinically. The problem is, there's no denying there's still a Doraisa Zika, that exists from the Pikachat, and there's no way for a Durabana and Yibam to override that, and therefore there would still be the obligation now to resolve that Zika. Of course, they can't do Yibam because that would have him marrying two wives, so you're left with Chalitza. But the point is the Chalitza must be done before this Pikachat can marry somebody else. Very much analogously, the next case of the Mishnah, Gedola Ukatana. If there were two wives married to Reuven, one who's a gadola, she's a bas mitzvah, and one a katana, she's not yet bas mitzvah. So then, bias a gadola poteres es a katana, similar to the previous case, if Shimon, the surviving brother, opts to marry through Yibam, sleeping with the older girl, so then that will exempt the younger girl from any further activities, because of course, all the other um, co-wives would be exempt, their zikas are removed, and they can marry whoever they want. But if he would marry the younger girl, so that could be rabbinically sanctioned as a yibum, but again, since it's only rabbinic in nature and there's no rabbinic, there's no Doraisa marriage yet because she's a minor, there's still a Doraisa obligation for yibum with the gadola, the older wife, who's now a widow. And therefore, again, he would have to do at least chalitza with her before she is free to marry somebody else.